I'm excited just about everything going on. Don't forget this Sunday, if you do not know, we do have a guest preacher coming in. Come and join us. My, my, my best friend, Pastor Ross, will be coming to share the word. He has an awesome message. He did give me a title. It's called, This Time I'm Running for My Life. And um, it's going to be an awesome word. I, I know it will. And I just challenge you guys to bring a friend, bring somebody. Get blessed by God this Sunday. Amen? Amen. Uh, for those of you who went out this Sunday to the Puerto Rican Day Parade, um, Pastor Ross did call me. And he shared with me that he said, um, I went to the parade to do what I usually do, and all you Puerto Ricans messed me up. And I was like, well, man, what you talking about? He said, well, I usually go to the Puerto Rican Day Parade with a lot of water, and I sell them for a dollar. 24-pack of water, 3 or $4, I'm making 20 bucks. He said, but everywhere I go, there's some Puerto Ricans giving it out for free. I look at the shirt, and it's your church. He said, every car I saw had a GVA poster on it. Every person had something in their hands from your church. He said, y'all people was all over there. How many of y'all was there? That's like the 12 disciples. I don't know. You know, everybody says they're going to follow Jesus, but 12 went. Amen? Amen. I want to thank God. At the end of the service, we are going to um, have Erica and Carlos, who he's out right now ministering in the streets with Melvin and our street team. But um, she will be coming just to share some highlights and give some thanks. Amen? Amen. I'm excited about it. You all set? <clears throat> are you, you've been recording? Did you chapter me right now? Thank you very much. Now, I want to just talk to you today. And I want to confirm some scripture, amen? I was talking to someone the other day, and they said everything's just so spiritual. And I was talking to him about how everything spiritual should have a scientific side to it. Amen? You with me? Are y'all asleep tonight? So everything scientific should have a spiritual aspect to it. And I was watching my favorite channel, History Channel, and they began to speak of some things. And I began to take this and formulate it into a Bible study for you guys and it just really blew my mind to confirm some scriptures through it. Can we do that today? We're not going to be here too long, I'm telling you. I have just something really cool for you guys. If you could turn with me really far into your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. And I'm reading from the New International Version. It makes no difference of my translation today. And um, we're going to find Jesus in the Old Testament. As we know... Um, God in himself is a Godhead, a triune nature, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But as the Bible refers to him, there is the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the face or the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. So in the beginning, God created not just the earth, but the heavens. Heavens not meaning the skies, but meaning the universe as we know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Somebody say created. The Bible says, now the earth was formed without void, empty darkness was over the face of the earth. We know from our previous studies months ago, if you don't have it, get a CD, that something transpired in between verse 1 and verse 2. God don't make junk. So something happened to make the earth turn void and formless and without any use. Amen? I'm not going to go into that today. 
Is that all right? Revelation 19, verse 12 and 13, says he is dressed, or he is robed, dipped in blood, and his name is the word of God. So this scripture, Genesis 1, cross-referencing it with Revelation 19, tells me that something called the word, word is capitalized. When you capitalize a word, which in this word, the word word is capitalized, if you just can comprehend that. Um, the W in word is capitalized in this word, I'll say. It, it means that it's actually a name. You follow me here? We do know that um, 1 John, or John chapter 1 verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the word. Once again, the word is capitalized. And the word was God. Or excuse me, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things meaning him, the word, all things were made. Without him, once again speaking of the word, nothing was made that has been made. In him, meaning the word, was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Somebody say, uh-huh. First uh, John chapter 5, verse 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. It's a common misconception that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, that, G, that God rather created the Son. If you look in Genesis chapter 1, and we look now to verse 14 to 18. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the sky to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights. The greater light to rule the day, the sun, and the lesser light to rule the night. We call it the moon. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night. To divine the light from the darkness and God saw that it was good so in verse 1 he says let there be light and automatically the universe is full of light in verse 14 he creates the Sun you following me so in verse 1 it says in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth then it says that the Spirit of God dwelt over the face of the deep, meaning the water. And then it says, he said, let there be light. And Jesus describes himself throughout the scripture. And in particularly, he says it in John chapter 8, verse 12, when he spoke to, again to the people, I am the light of the world. You following me so far? I'm going to go a little somewhere with this, don't worry. He says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. So in the beginning... Verse 1, you have God the Father, you have the Holy Spirit hovering over the deep, and you have Jesus, the light of the world, lighting it up because just 12 verses later, God would create the sun. You're with me so far. Somebody say, I'm with you. Psalms 147, verses 4 and 5, speaking of God, he determines the number of the stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limits. Psalms 33, 6 says, By the word of the Lord, there were the, heavens, the heavens were made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. This word that they keep on saying, word, in Greek, as it is in the New Testament, 
is the word logos. The word logos is not an actual spoken word. It's a word that is thought in your head. So with God's very thought, his mouth began to move. And through his thoughts, he created all of everything you know to exist. The Bible says in John chapter 1, verse 1 and 5, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. You following me here? And it says that all things were made through him. By him, nothing was made without him. Jesus was the active living word of God. Jesus himself is the actual word of God. When man fell, there was a necessity for a, a, a savior without blemish to come into existence. So what God did, he made a promise with what? His word. So when his word became a promise... That promise was impregnated into the Virgin Mary and gave birth to Jesus, the actual Word of God in flesh, embodied, manifested in a man, the presence of God. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus was there from the get-go. He did not just come in as a stepchild 3,000 years after the fact. He was there from the beginning. He was the active thing that created you and God made men. He was the very thing that created, that He shaped Adam's face. He shaped the seas. He shaped the oceans. Without Him, the Bible says, there was nothing made. And through Him, the Word, everything was made. And for Him, it was made. But the question becomes, why was it made for him? Because it would become his destiny to actually redeem it. So all things were made through him, by him, and for him to reconcile it unto himself. You following me so far? So I was fascinated with a scripture that says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word. Somebody say it with me. My word. That's in Mark chapter 30, 13 verse 31. That word, once again, logos, word. There's two words in Greek to represent the word word, which is logos and rhema. Rhema is spoken word and written word, a revelation from God, whereas the word logos is a thought process of a word. The word logos here is a personal word. It's a title of the Son of God. Uh, this identification is substantiated by the, the statement of doctrine that John gives you in John chapter 1 verse th verses 1 through 18. He declares in verse 1 and 2 his distinct meaning Jesus' super infinite personality. He was always there. John in verse 1 establishes that Jesus was always there. Don't confuse it. He says from the beginning... You with me? In verse 2, he gives you his relationship to God in the Godhead, the triune nature. He tells you who he was because he doesn't say in the beginning the word was God. He says he was with God, meaning there was an accompaniment of a Godhead. We know that in the, in the Greek, uh, Hebrew translation of, of, of Genesis chapter 1 when it says in the beginning God, the word God is the Hebrew word Elohim. I told you this, the word Elohim means a plural God, meaning there's more than one entity to come together to make up this Godhead. And then God said, let us make man in our image. Not my image, our image, meaning a pluralization. So now John establishes here the relationship Jesus has to the Godhead. He says, this guy who just stepped foot into our town, he's the actual word. Are you with me? Verse 3 
It gives you his creative power. Why was Jesus able to walk around commanding demons to flee, commanding things? Because he was the actual word of God. He had already created the heavens and the earth. Why should he not be able to, to condemn a demon or cast out sickness? Because he was the creator of the universe. Are you with me? His creative power is expressed in verse 3. It, I didn't read it, but in verse uh, 14, his, his incarnation, meaning his becoming flesh, is expressed as his voluntary act. Uh, the King James Version says that he was made to come down and to redeem us. But no, 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 no. The original Greek tells you that Jesus volunteered. The Word of God volunteered itself as a redemptive uh, uh, um entity to come and die on your behalf so you can have life nothing made jesus do it he decided to do it the word of god wanted to come and set you free it wasn't because he was forced to it wasn't because god his father made him because he, he just wanted to do it the truth of the matter is if you think about it in the aspect of of of, of greater than what you already understand jesus yes is the son of god because he was born uh, from mary through god's voice through god's word but in actuality they are one and the same just manifested in different entities but to help us simpletons you know try and comprehend it god said well let me just call him my son so i can make it just a little bit easier for them to understand because before he was ever the son, he was the active word of God. Are you with me? So verse 14 gives you who he was and why he came to earth. And it gives you the reality of the totality of his human nature and his glory when it says he was the only begotten son of the father. John 3.16 tells us for all what? For what? John 3.16 for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. His only son. Because at the end of the day, all God had to give you was his promise. All God had of value was his word. Are you with me? There's nothing worth anything in your life except God's word. All the gold in the world is worth nothing compared to what God's word is worth. Now, I found some interesting things, and I, I began to, 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 to just study some scientific stuff because I was watching um, History Channel one night when I really couldn't sleep. Yep. And so I realized when God said, let there be light, bam, light appeared. If I understand light correctly, which I do because I've studied it for weeks now, um, because when I do a Bible study, it takes a little while to do, guys, FYI. I don't do this stuff overnight. I just don't cook it up and throw it into, you know, I'm just saying. I actually put depth into it so I know what I'm giving you is actually true and legitimate. Amen? Uh, light travels at 186,000 miles per second. There's nothing known to mankind that travels faster than light except space and how it grows. I'll get to that later. If we know that light travels at 186,000 miles per second, that tells me that light can circumnavigate the earth seven times in one second because the earth is only roughly 23,582 miles around, roughly, give or take a few feet. So if you know that 
God's word came down, created light at 186,000 miles per second. And he said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. And I got a different perspective of this over the course of the last few weeks. You give me my first slide. Um, this first slide right here is what you know to be called once he puts it up. I'm waiting, Manny. There you go. That is what we call the sun. Danielle, if you can come just kill the stage lights, they can get a better. That is the sun. <coughs> Are you with me? Everybody know what the sun is? Does anybody know where the sun's at? In space? Now, the thing is this. I realize, and I've heard this before, this is not new to me, that the sun is 93 million miles away from Earth. So, if I understand that light from the sun travels to the earth at 186,000 miles per second, um, light covers the distance from sun to earth in eight and a half minutes. So what I'm telling you is when you look up in the sky and see the sun, that is not the sun as it exists that very second. That's the sun eight and a half minutes ago. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my world will never pass away. You never realize that you look into the sky and you're looking into the past. Could you imagine and just say, oh, I don't want that old light. I don't want that. It's eight minutes old. I'm going to my house. This is old light. I don't need this. I don't want to get a tan from this old light. It might give me sunburn. Are you with me? So you have to understand that light in of itself is something really hard to comprehend. So what scientists did was that they, what, what they did to measure, because when you come into, I like the way Louis Giglio said it, when you come into the aspect of just, of, of, of the cosmos, that you can't, the, he said what, the mile and the yardstick are of no use. And so what they did was they created this thing called a light year, which for those of you who don't know what that is, I'll educate you, it's actually how far light travels in a year. So if light travels at a 186,000 miles per second, then throughout a year, it would travel approximately 6 trillion miles. Farther than what we can possibly go right now. So you still aren't understanding where I'm going with this, because I can see some of your faces. Could you give me my second one? My second one, this is, um, that's the sun, Manny. Great. This is a star taking a picture. I got all these pictures off of NASA's website, and I researched them very extensively. And this star is called Proxima Centauri. All right? This sun, or this star, rather, is 25 trillion miles away, which would be roughly about one point something light years away. Or actually, uh, I lied. It would be about four point something light years away. You with me so far? So as we took this picture... You have to understand the distance of this actual star. So because this star is four light years away, and because this star, as we know, was created by God, because the Bible says that heaven and earth may pass away by my word, so when he said let there be light, that's why we always see stars expanding in the universe. That's why stars are always being created, because God's word has not died. It's still progressing through what you call the time-space continuum, and it's actually still creating out in the universe. This is a, a fantastically, you can look at this and see the grandeur of God in this. But when you look at this, you're looking four and a half years in the past. Are you following me? Four and a half years ago, that star happened. And although the star is still in existence, 
as far as we know, if something happened to the star, it would take us four years to find out. Because heaven and earth may pass away, but my word, you see, light doesn't end. You see, I heard it put like this. There's no such thing as darkness. There's just the absence of light. There's no such thing as evil. Evil is defined as the absence of godly morals. And there's no such thing in the earth as cold. Cold is defined as the absence of heat. There's no such thing as God's word dying. So light in the universe travels and travels and it never, ever stops. Because Jesus said, I am the light of the world. You hearing this? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's me. I'm alive forever. Nothing's going to happen to me. I am alive forever. Somebody say forever. My next one, Manny. This star, uh, many have heard of it. It's called, it's a star called Sirius, if it ever comes up. You could just leave it up until you can call the next one for you. Might make it a little easier. No, that's, that's not serious. What are you doing? There you go. This is a star called Sirius. That's not, the, there you go. They're both serious. Go to the first one, Manny. Go to the first one. There you go. Sirius is the brightest star known to mankind. Throughout the universe, it is the brightest star we have ever, ever found. Um, does anybody want to take a guess how many years ago that picture was taken? No, it was taken probably a couple of months ago. But the actual light from that star took 8.6 years to get here. It's 8 trillion 100 gazillion light years away. So what it means is that it takes eight years to reach the earth. You're looking into the future and never, or into the past rather, and never even realize that God's word is so prevalent in your life. And here you are sitting sometimes on your back porch doubting God. And you know, I, I remember I went to I went to the biofluorescent bay in Puerto Rico with Carmen, and I was with Emmanuel, and we went out. And so they took us to God knows where, and, and I was kind of scared because, you know, there was no lights anywhere, and it was really, really dark, and supposedly it was going to be really cool, but these guys were really sketchy, you know, and so that, they, they were trying to get us to, like, buy this, you know, certain stuff. They were really sketchy. It's late at night. There's people drinking over here, drinking over there. The whole place was just sketchy. And so when I drove out on that boat with these people, we had a bunch of drunk young kids with us. Remember that? There was a bunch of crazy young kids with us, and I'm... Um, I'm holding on to my wallet and stuff, and I'm just kidding. But um, I'm, I'm sitting there, and we drive out, and there's no lights, and the sky just seemed to explode with stars. Because one of the things you have to realize is that the city lights dim your view of the skies. And when me and Manny and Danielle was with me, as a matter of fact, you were with me that time, right? We looked up, and we saw the most amazing sight, and you could not see an empty spot. It was nothing but stars. And I knew right then and there, how could I ever say there's not a God? When you're doubting God, you have to realize that there are things that you are looking at that God did eight and a half years ago, and that if he can take care of that and it's still giving off light, he can take care of you. You with me? 
I do have another picture of this star, if you want to put that up. That's actually a blow-up view by the Hubble telescope. I believe they took it to the, at the University of uh, Lurchester, I believe it was called, that actually gave that one out. You can give me my next one. This next one is called um, Vega. I showed Melvin this, and he was really excited because his last name is Vega. Vega is 25 light years away, and if you just guessed yes, Although we took that picture probably a couple months ago, that actually happened 25 years ago because that star took 25 light years to get here. So you put 6 million, or trillion rather, times 25, and that's how far that, um, how many miles that thing is from Earth. And so as scientists even now look into the sky and look at this star, they're looking at a 25-year-old picture. They're looking literally into the past. You follow me so far? Now, many of you have heard the star Betelgeuse. Anybody ever heard of that star Betelgeuse? The star Betelgeuse is, is a supernova, gigantic red star. You can put that one up for me, Manny. There it goes. It's really hard to get pictures of this thing. This one's actually pretty pixelated. You might not be able to see it from this spectrum, but it's one of the largest stars known to mankind. There's a few that are kind of bigger than it, um, but this star, if you ever saw Louis Giglio's video, can fit about 500 trillion Earths inside that star. That star is extremely far away. It's 500 light years away. And as we see this star today, if it's 500 light years away, that happened 500 years ago, but it has not stopped to shine forth. So stop and think right there. If it's happened 500 years ago and still has not yet stopped to shine forth, then why should the Word of God that's in your hands, tangible, stop shining forth in your life? If the Word of God is 500 years old, 1,000 years old, or 2,000 years old, it is just as powerful now as it was when he first had somebody pen it on a scroll over there in Israel or wherever it was written. You have to understand, if you believe God, there's so many things about the Bible that you have got to comprehend that there is no doubt beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is a God. Why was it not till about 100 or 200 years ago that humans thought, well, let's not bathe ourselves in still water because we keep the germs all around us. But yet God said in, in, the, in, in I believe it was the book of Leviticus, or maybe Numbers, I'm not sure, he told the Israelites, don't wash yourselves in still water. He said, wash it in flowing water so you will not recontaminate yourself. God was scientific before you ever even knew it. And we doubt that there is a God. You see, up until the Dark Ages, and even after the Dark Ages, men thought that the, that the whole earth was one flat surface. But the Bible says back in Genesis and Psalms, and all throughout Job, he calls it a sphere, a globe. He calls it a ball. He described it as round. But yet man said it was flat. And then if you went too far, you would have fallen off the edge. But you doubt there's a God? You need to solidify your thoughts that there is a spiritual aspect to scientific things in your life. You need to understand that God is real. Because everybody here knows you doubt God on a daily basis. You may not doubt God for what he can do, but you might doubt that he even exists. You with me? It took 500 years for that to reach us. 
If you can give me my next one. This next one is not a star. It's a nebula, a cluster of stars. It's an infamous picture called the Crab Nebula, taken, I believe, three to four years ago. Although it was taken three to four years ago, it probably does not look like that anymore because that picture is 6,500 years old. That picture happened 6,500 years ago, but we just snapped the picture of it two years ago. Go figure. You following me here? Are you understanding and comprehending what I'm telling you? That although that thing happened 6,500 years ago, through the, through the advancement of technology and the grandeur of what God made us, we're able to snap a picture of the past in a matter of seconds. You with me? Next one. This is called the galactic core. This is actually the core of the Milky Way galaxy. And if you did not know, it is 25 million, or 25, yeah, 25,000, excuse me, light years away from Earth. So far we've had 8.6 light years, we've had 500 light years, we've had 6,500. This one is 25,000. It's in our own galaxy and it's 25,000 light years away. That means that when they snapped this picture just last year, it actually took place 25,000 years ago before the record recorded history of man, before anything ever took place that we know as manly history, that this had already happened, but yet now, through technology, they snap a picture, and this comes through. Heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. If you know what I just told you in the beginning, the word is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God. He told the disciples and he told the Pharisees that I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. If he's the light of the world, he's the word of God, we have to understand if he says, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you. If he says all these things like, I can never die, he says that I am always, I always was. And then when he asks for a description, he just says, I am. Could you imagine that? Moses sitting on a mountain getting these directions from a bush that's on fire. He believes it to be God and he says, well, who are you going to send? So who do I say sent me? He goes, oh, I am. That would really upset me. But yet God is, I am. Whatever you need, he is. He always will be and always was. The Bible describes God as no beginning, no ending. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. This is why God operates outside the realm of time because although things happen right now, this very second, it was 25,000 years ago. You need to wrap your mind around the fact that God does not live in the world of time. You following me? I do have one more for you. This one's called the Andromeda Galaxy. It's a beautiful picture. If you can get it on your computer at home, maybe into one of the uh, high-definition screen. It's a little hard here. It's a very awesome picture. And the Andromeda Galaxy, this picture right here, was snapped, I'm not sure, I believe it was two to three years ago. But it's 2.5 million light years away. This picture that you're looking at happened 2.5 million years ago this happened and it took all that time for the light of this very picture to come all the way to the place we call earth 
And as they snapped that picture, not one single particle of light moved, not even as they described it, one millionth of a centimeter out of order so that you can come and get this undistorted picture. Light is an amazing thing. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And as you see this picture, you're looking 2.5 million years into the past. You look up at night and you see the, scar, the stars, and uh, Manny had introduced me to a phenomenal uh, um, little application. If anybody has the Android-based phone, it's really, really cool. I'm not even sure what it's called, maybe Skyview or Google Sky, and it's a really an amazing feature. And what you do is you take your phone, you get this program, and you point it up at the sky, and it'll give you what stars you're looking at. And someone had told me once that if a star doesn't blink, it's actually a planet. And I put it to the test, and it was the planet Venus. And you could look and see all types of amazing things. And if I'm looking at this planet Venus, I realize that it's a couple, I think, a couple hundred million miles, not light years, miles away. And so because it's that many miles away, I know the picture I'm looking at now is probably from a couple years ago. So every light year, the Andromeda galaxy is 2.5 million light years away. That's how many light travels in a year in 2.5 million years. So when you look at that picture, you're looking 2.5 million years into the past. He said, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will never pass away. It's gotten to the point where scientists have, have realized something. They've realized that the earth in itself, or rather, excuse me, the universe in itself is in the shape of a perfect sphere, which is a, a ball. And that as it grows apart, you follow me? As it grows apart, it stays in the same exact perfect shape of a ball. Not one thing moves to distort the universe because if one thing moved, there would be a cataclysmic thing that would happen throughout the universe that would destroy all life in the universe. You have to understand something, and I found this to be amazing, and maybe you might not, but that's because you're not as cool as me, and that's okay. Not everyone can be this awesome. I'm just kidding, guys. Come on. That as a galaxy pulls away from our view of things, it begins to change the color of its light. And I began to think when Christians pull away from God, they begin to see Jesus differently. I began to realize that when some people go to college, they get so educated, they don't need God. I began to realize there's some people who are so spiritually minded, they're no earthly good, and their view of Jesus on that cross is distorted. And the funny thing is, is that when it gets so far away, the last color it goes through, they describe it as one thing, blood red. And as I began to think, the Spirit of God was talking to me saying, when Christians get too far from what the light of the world really is, they are in desperate need of the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to understand some things about your life. Number one, your life really doesn't matter. 
Isn't that amazing? Because when you go to glory or go to hell, whichever one you choose, it's up to you, literally, that your life is not going to mean much on the grand scheme of the world or the universe for that matter. But what it does make a difference in is where you spend that eternity. When you can look at the Bible and prove to yourself that there is a God, you can have unwavering, uncompromising faith in God, and your life can make a difference in the people around you so you can drag some souls to heaven with you. John, or 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at our hands and have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. Word, again, being capitalized. Speaking again of Jesus, the word of life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No man go to the Father but through me. Do you know why we are able to see into the deepest areas of space? Because of light. Without light, we wouldn't be able to look. There would be no, 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 no light to go into the cameras or the, the lenses. I don't know if you know about photography, but when the shutter closes, every time you, you click your little picture, what it does, it captures the light. If it goes slower, the picture gets distorted. If you slow your speed down on your shutters, your picture comes dragged out. You can have different effects by how fast or how slow your shutter actually goes. So what happens is, if you're in a low-light situation, your shutter stays open longer. When you're in a very bright situation, your shutter clicks like that. You following me? It's only because of the light that we can see the universe. Likewise, it's only because of the light of Christ, the life, the Word, that we are able to get through the Father. There's only one way to Him. So John chapter 1, again, verse 1 and 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. Or, excuse me, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him, the Word, of course, we're still speaking of, was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. That is why you can go to church and hear the most awesome, empowering, enlightening word of God and go home and let the devil confuse you if there is or if there isn't a God because it says right there, the light shines in your darkness, but yet the darkness does not understand it. You with me? If I were to tell Manny right now to turn the lights off, darkness would consume us. We would have a little light coming from there, maybe from the stage if you didn't turn that off. Maybe a little from the back foyer back there, you would have light coming in through your rope lights. But yet, darkness would come in. Jesus said, what does light have to do with darkness? Nothing. The two cannot coexist. Once the light turns on, the darkness has to go. Once the darkness is there, it's because of the lack of light. The truth of the matter is, there is no such thing as darkness. There is no such thing as darkness. It's just a word we made up to describe the lack of light. 
I heard it said, and I told you before, there is no such thing as cold. Anybody ever felt cold? No, you did not feel cold. What you really felt was unhot. There's no such thing as cold. Literally speaking, scientifically speaking, there's no such thing as cold. It's a word they made up to describe the lack of heat. We see Carmen here. Everybody see Carmen? Everybody see Rosa? Can I ask you a question, Heather? When's the last time you saw Rosa's brain? You never saw it? How do you know she got one? Because what? She's functioning, but, but what does that prove? Do you really know she has a brain? Are you sure? Are you certain? Why? Why is it that we don't have to see some things to believe it, but for God we have to see everything to believe it? And then we need proof. As if God has not done enough for us already. When you look into the skies and you, you see the, the awesomeness of God, the Bible says in Psalms, it was, I believe it was Psalms 37, let me find it again for you. It's right here, Psalms 33. By the word of the Lord, the Logos in Greek, were the heavens made, their starry host, by the breath of his mouth. You know what the breath is? The breath of his mouth, what that metaphor is looking at when you mutter. See, he wasn't even like, let there be light. He was just like, let there be light. And bam, it happened. It wasn't like he had to scream or shout or haggle. By his very breath, he created the heavens and the earth. I would challenge you that if you looked at the greatness of God and realized how awesome God is and that God desires to separate you from darkness, that God desires to separate you from your unbelief. That God desires to separate you from your stress. That God desires to separate you from your doubt. That God desires, see, the reason why he cannot divide you from it is because you are holding on to it. You with me? You see, the devil, the, the, devil, huh, the devil did not create doubt. If you think of the story of Peter, when he got off the boat and he said, Lord, if that's you, call me and I'll come walk on the water with you. And Jesus said, it is I, will come. And he came and he walked on the water, walked up to Jesus, took his eyes off of Jesus, and he fell through. At no point does the Bible say that the devil made him doubt. The devil smacked him. The devil kicked him, tripped him, nothing. He just took his eyes off of God. The devil don't make you doubt God. That's all by yourself. You hearing me? The devil don't make you do a lot of things. It's all in your own cabeza. I told my, some of my pastor friends I preached in Spanish on Sunday because I said celoso. It's an insider. Don't worry about it, guys. If you can realize that the way you feel towards God is so amazingly stupid because if you look around you, God is so great. I cannot remember the man's name exactly. I can get it. It's in my notes. I went to a meeting just this past Friday with my Uncle Robert, and he was talking about a man, a, a scientist, a, um, a really, really well-known um, scientist, 
And he went to disprove and make a joke and a mockery out of every single religious book in the world. And he saved the Bible for last because it was the biggest. And he went to show how, how it had no validity to it, scientifically speaking. And he laughed his way through every single book, and he documented his findings. But when he got to the Bible, he's told he could not find one single thing that did not add up. And he ended up writing a book about it. He ended up, he was an atheist, ended up getting saved. He ends up going around all the world preaching now science and God and how it complements each other. But because your professor told you something and half of us went to a community college and now we doubt God. I'm like, oh my God. We're not talking about scholars here. We're talking about people who get put in the front by a blackboard because they went to community college like us. Nothing wrong with it. I'm not putting it down. But yet we absorb what they say so deep into our spirits that we allow them to doubt God. Oh, when that stupid thing came on TV, oh, pastor, they found Jesus' tomb. What does it mean? Nothing. Shut up. Don't call me for this stuff. Was he there? No. Oh, but they found the box of bones. Who cares? Are you going to believe or not? We are so wavered in God. The Bible says that some of us are like a wave tossed in the ocean. Thank you for the uh, roller coaster effects there. I saw that. You want to do it again for everybody real quick? No? Man. Like a wave tossed in the ocean. You know what that really means? It means that you're wishy-washy. You know what? Sometimes I'm over-decisive. Because I hate to be undecisive, or rather indecisive. I hate to be a person that can't make a decision. Sometimes I make a decision so quick and it's the wrong one. And I'm like, oh well, found out it was the wrong one. Won't do that again. When I was, when I was 17, I got promoted to supervisor at my job. And I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I just made believe I did. If I could talk my way into making them think I knew what I was doing, then I knew I was okay. That's how it worked, Rick, right? That's how we did it. We just talked and said, oh, yeah, no problem, great. Then we went to find the answer. But the truth of the matter is, I didn't know what I was doing. But I made decisions, all right. And for some reason, by the grace of God, most of them panned out. But some of us are so indecisive in Christ, in God, in our belief, not of just Jesus, not believing for ourselves, not believing for the, the general things, but we doubt if there is a God. If you can get rid of the doubt that there is a God, you can beat the doubt that you ain't going to have a better job. If you can get rid of the doubt that if God exists, then you can start to realize that He does exist and He does care about you. If you can get rid of the whole thing about doubting God, if He exists, you can find out what you really want to do with your life and stop switching in school so much. Uh-huh. If you got rid of the whole doubt of God existing, then you can find what I call purpose for your life. You will stop doubting everything in your life. I don't know about you, but I've decided in my mind that, that I know that there's a God. Some of the greatest records ever kept by mankind is in the Bible. 
I believe that He is the Word. I believe that He is the beginning. I believe that He will be and will not have an end. I believe that God will dominate all of time, all of space, for all of creation. And I may not understand everything right now, but when I get there, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. You with me? I want you guys to start doubting obvious stuff to see how silly you are. Well, some of us might doubt, but we should just start doubting every time we put the key in our car. Is it going to start? Is it going to start? Now, some of you at the hoopties, it just might be so. I want you to go to work every week and doubt if you're going to get a paycheck on Friday or Thursday. Because here's the thing. If you doubted that you would get a work check. Karen, if you went to work knowing there was a great chance, or not knowing, thinking so hard, there was a great chance that you would never ever get a check on that Thursday or Friday. What's your payday? Friday, Thursday? Friday. That you were not going to get a check on Friday. I guarantee you, you would do one of three things. Not go to work, not give your best, or not care about what you put out. Because you think you're not getting nothing for it. So when you come to church and doubting in the back of your mind, is there a God? You're not giving your best. You're not thinking about what you're putting out. And you don't care about what you're doing because you don't even believe there is a God. But you're coming here because that's what's expected. You with me? When you doubt there is a God, you don't even give your best at work sometimes. Yvette, Yvonne, you work at a salon. If a customer walked in and said, I want the whole shebang, it's going to cost them over $200. You think they might not pay because last time they ran out on you. Are you going to do their hair? You're going to ask for payment first? What are you going to do? If you did their hair, would you do your best job? If you knew they were walking out, <laughs> you said no. So the thing is, because you know there's a chance that it might not happen for you, you don't give your best or you decide not to do it at all. Not realizing God never ran out on you. You ran out on yourself. I said this at one preaching and somebody got really offended and I said, the moment you realize that you were the dealer in your life, dealing those cars that you were dealt, you can get over some things. Because we like to play, I'm just playing the cards that I was given. You dealt them. You were playing by yourself. You made that dumb decision. That wasn't God that put that register in front of you and said, take $100. I remember those days. I remember one day, God helped me. I feel so horrible now. I wish I knew who that lady was. There was an elderly lady, let's just say, and she came to my register at CVS. And I remember it so clearly because it was the day I was training Yvette. And uh, you don't know if you remember this story. And what happened was um, her total was somewhere in the vicinity of like about $9.82. And she gave me a $10 bill to pay for her purchase. So I kindly gave her back her 18 cent change to see what would happen. Because in reality, she'd given me a $100 bill and not a $10 bill. And I kept the rest of the money. Remember that, event? You do because you were like, you, you can't believe you just did that. And so then, 
When it becomes easy to steal, you know you steal. Don't act like y'all innocent. I know, but come of y'all came in here with your testimony. You were a klepto. You had a thousand and one problems in your life. Getting caught stealing thongs. Leave it at that. I'm never letting that go, Manny. Ever. If you don't know Manny's testimony, get it on CD. You will have a ball. Because that kid was reckless. How do you go before the judge? Oh, I stole 500 thongs. <sighs> there was one time, you have to understand, when you start doubting God, you're able to do dumber things. Sin becomes easier when you doubt God because conviction doesn't come because you say, well, what if it's not a God? Then I can go out and have sex with my boyfriend or girlfriend. It doesn't make a difference. If there isn't a God, then I can go out and do this. And I'm not going to feel convicted because I, I don't, because I don't believe there's a God. If the, the, the devil can get you on the basis of there is no God or whether or not there is or not a God, you will always rationalize sin when there is no rationalization for sin. Sin is sin in God's eyes. It's bad, 100%, but we rationalize it now. Well, it's not as bad. Well, I'm having sex, but at least I love them. Well, I'm doing this, but at least it has a good reason. I remember one time some, some, some customer left a, a camera, and I was about 17, left the camera at my store. I'll never forget this. I was stupid neat. And they, they, they left this camera at my store, and um, it was there for a day or so, so I took it home. I was like, whatever. They ain't going to miss it. Came back looking for it. I was like, I don't know where it's at. They want to see the video. I said, I ain't care because I knew where I had put it, and it was out of video range, and I didn't care. I don't know why, but I ended up bringing the camera back because they scared me somehow. I think it was said they're going to call the cops because this guy was like a real prick. But it was his camera. But he was like a really prick customer, so I didn't mind stealing his camera. Yeah, one of those. So what happened was, was that I had taken pictures of myself and my friends with his camera. <laughs> exactly. So I took and I damaged the memory card because I worked in the photo lab. And I damaged the memory card really badly, or so I thought. He looks up and said, that guy looks like you. I said, no, it don't. <laughs> that ain't me. Got the wrong guy. Prove it. He said, if I ain't know any better, now I said, nope. Delete. Oops. I deleted it. Here's your camera. Have a good day, sir. Never came back to that CVS ever again. And then I transferred up the street to the other CVS, and he saw me there one day. Never came back to that one either. It was weird. Because at that point in my life, I was really doubting God. I was doubting if God even really existed. And I know that on a weekly basis, we go through times where we say, God, are you even there? Do you even listen to me? Do you even hear me? If that happens to you, look up to the skies. Heaven and earth may pass away, but God's word never passes away. Everything you're looking at in the sky is years old. It's already happening. It's just finally getting to you. You ever wonder why your prayer is not getting answered? Give it time. It'll come. It'll come. The Bible says that in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, I believe it is in chapter 9, and I'll close with this, that Daniel began to fast and pray for, to God for do something. I forget the specific need. And he fasted for 21 days, which is where we get the 21-day Daniel's fast. And he fasted 21 days. And then he says to the angel, and the angel finally shows up, and he says, where you been? I've been praying, praying for 21 days straight. And he says, the prince of Persia held me up. I was fighting through all the spiritual kingdoms. He had to fight through so much to get to you. God has answered your prayers. 
They're on their way. Wait on God. And wait does not mean do nothing for God. Wait means to do everything God expects you to do until that promise comes. I can't stand when people say, I'm waiting on God. I'm waiting on God. That means they're getting spiritually lazy in the meantime, sitting and I'm exercising their spirit. Wait in the Hebrew, it does not mean to stop and pause. It means to continue a cycle that leaves you in a place to be blessed. It don't mean to pause yourself. I would challenge you, even when you doubt God, God is looking on you with favor. Come on, by a show of hands, does anybody suffer from that doubt devil? We all suffer from this doubt devil. Some of us need to have both hands up. Some of us need to throw our whole body in the air. Thank you, Manny. Thank you, Carlos. You have to understand if he can make you doubt the core, nothing else will stick to your foundation. If he can make you doubt there is no God, you will have no conviction in your spirit when you sin. You will know what you did is wrong, but not feel bad for what you've done. If you have no conviction in your spirit, if you know, or rather if you doubt that there is a God, you'll enter into a phase in your life that is very dangerous and you won't put a value even on yourself. Your behavior will be riotous, your actions will be full of just sinful deeds and you won't realize it until it's too late that you need the blood of Christ and there's nothing else that you need but Christ and sometimes it's too late. I would challenge you when it comes to doubting God, throw the brakes on right now. There's no doubt there is a God. There's no doubt there's a creator. There's no doubt that what he says is true. There's no doubt that there's so much proof in this word that it's just, it's just unimaginable that we can think that God is not looking over us. John 14, 6, and Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man come to the Father but through me. If you can't believe Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. If you can't believe that, you cannot believe nothing. And the rest of this word will make no sense to you. And the rest of the scripture will never ever make sense to you because you can't accept that first, first passage. That in the beginning, and yes, there was a beginning. As John says so poetically in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's amazing how he describes how all things were made through him, but not just through him, they were made by Jesus. See, if you put it like this, and you can realize how much Jesus loves you, I'm going to put it in terms like this, in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God, and Jesus was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and through Jesus nothing was made that has been made. In Jesus is life, and that life was the light of the men. The light shines in darkness, but the darkness is not understood. If you just take the word out and put Jesus, because that's who it's talking about. That in the beginning, he cared about you so much, he was there from beginning until your end. Are you going to believe him? Are you going to not just believe him, but yet receive him? Put away the doubt for once in your life. Make a conscientious, educated decision that you're going to follow God no matter what. Are you with me? You see, I told this one man something. He said, I don't believe in God. I said, okay. I said, that's fine. Because it takes more faith for you not to believe in God than it does for me to believe in God. 
Because for me to believe in God, I just have to say, okay, I accept this. For me not to believe in God, I have to pinpoint every reason why I don't. Instead of just saying, I accept it. Whether you decide to take something like today and really put it into practice is going to be up to you in the end. Because the truth of the matter is, statistically speaking, most of us will still go on doubting God. But every service I come to try and reach to one or two who are actually mature enough in your mind and in your spirit to put something into action in your life. Because some of us come into church with the same issues every time. And no matter how many times I preach on the same issues, you seem to still have that same issue. So is the issue really about what God is saying to you or how you're handling your own issue? You see, because every time I preach about sin, statistically speaking, Carmen, out of the group of 100, only about five are going to actually find true repentance. Repentance meaning not recycling into that sin over and over again. Asking God forgiveness has nothing to do with repentance. Repentance is not sinning in that same sin again. And so I implore the one to five of you today who might just might find some truth that there is a God that you can finally let go of that doubt devil that has your name. And that you would finally say, you know what God, I'm going to give you everything I have. Because I've given you a, a, a half behind, I'll say, style of living for you. I've been living this half-heartedly. I've been coming because I want to, but at the same time, I don't want to. Isn't that the truth? A lot of times when I come to church, I don't want to come, but I do want to come. It's weird. It's my spirit fighting my flesh. My spirit says, yes, it's church. And my flesh is like, eh. It's church. We all go through it. We all go through it. I would challenge you to once and for all, let go of the doubt. And when you find yourself trying to doubt, just say, I'm not going to do it. And switch your mind off into something else. No matter how hard it is, count sheep if you have to. You'll fall asleep, Yvonne. Don't do that. <laughs> That's why I said it. Um, I challenge you, I really truly challenge you to put your attention to God. You know, God wants you to mature as a Christian. God doesn't want you to stay in the same place as you were. If you can look back from five months from now to a year and say, and I heard this when I was much younger and it really touched my life, and if you can say, I'm in the same place or a worse place as I was then, then you're outside of God's will. If spiritually speaking to those of you who've been here for more than a year, you're in the same place you were last year, and don't tell me, well, I'm not in the same because I pray a little more or I read my Bible a little more. If you're in the same place you were last year, oh, I command you and I, I implore you to actually get on your knees because you should be growing in Christ. If you're not taking on more things, then you're in worse condition. For those of you who are here three to six months, I challenge you to check yourself every now and then and find out, where am I spiritually? Am I moving forward? Am I regressing, progressing? What am I doing? But to check your spirit and find out if you're maturing. The fact of the matter is some of us can't even mature in our physical aspect, in our minds, because we still act like little kids half the time. And that's one thing I'm learning in my life is to grow up. 
Not everything's going to be a joke. Not everything is funny. And now when not everything's funny to me, people say, oh, why are you like that now, Pastor? Because it's just not funny to me anymore. Because the Bible says when I was a child, I acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And for some of those guys, it takes a lot longer to mature than it does for girls. Quiet, women. Because some of y'all mature too quick. Leave it at that. <laughs> Are you with me? Men, grow up. There's too much joking around in this church. It's great to have fun, but sometimes you cross the line. Sometimes you joke so much you begin to offend people. Not everything is funny. Not everything is cool. When people from this church, men in this church can send the pastor a joke with cussing in it, you are spiritually immature. Isn't that crazy? And y'all sitting there saying, I would never send it to a pastor, my sister, but not the pastor. Stop, that sounds guilty, Yvonne. I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Let's grow up. Let's learn how to act in church. Let's be examples. I'm saying this now because I have most of my core people here. Let's learn to be examples in church. When I was a kid, some things just were not acceptable. And you would get the EE from the altar, the evil eye. And it was my mother and Annie, loving the deaf, they would give the evil eye like nobody could. And for those of you who don't know, Mr. Green was waiting for us in the back. And Mr. Green was a huge leather belt. And if you messed around, my God, you would have an encounter, not with the spirit, but with Mr. Green. But nowadays, our kids run around church like nothing. We treat the sanctuary like if it's a social place. We talk before services instead of talking to God. We talk in the, we have no respect for God's house. We leave our water bottles, our gum wrappers. We leave everything in the church. There's no respect for God. Let's grow up. Are you with me? We got some growing up to do. Just because we have a young pastor don't mean we got to act like kids. Because I'm way past my babysitting times. Way done babysitting spiritual people. I can't do it. God has called us to elevate. God has called us to go forward. God is calling us to grow. You don't want us to keep doing the same things you keep doing. How about this? I don't know about you, but I didn't always want to be a youth pastor. At some point, I wanted to elevate that. And God elevated me when he was ready. You cannot eat that. At some point, you got to say, I don't always want to be a Sunday school secretary, a teacher of the ministry. I want to do something more. But if we keep acting the same way, and I'm not saying you are, just use you because I know you won't get offended because some people here might. You've got to be God is calling you for more. Marty, I love you to death. God does not always want you to be a house cleaner of the church. I challenge you that God wants you to be so much more, and you know it. And you're just saying, God, you know, give me some time. I'm almost there. But God says, you're already there. I'm telling you, God is, you know, it's, it's God is calling you. Don't doubt that there's a God. Minister Jose, if I didn't rip it out of you half the time, it wouldn't come out of you. So God says, I got to just start putting Mr. Minister Jose on the spot and say, go pray. Go do this. Go do that. And you know what? It's coming out because God desires to move him in his life. God desires for you to elevate in your spirit. God doesn't always want you to be just a member or a citizen of a church. 
But the reason we never elevate is from one word, maturity in Christ. And yes, I know in Christ there's two words. Plus maturity, that's three, because I thought you were thinking about it, Yvonne. Maturity. Maturity. People don't like following kids. You ever seen a parent in the store? And their kid is like, I want this and I want that. And they're making a whole huge tantrum. And your first response is, I'll slap that kid. Because when I was a kid, that would not fly. See, when I was a kid, if we wanted ice cream, we had to get a compliment from some old lady at a diner. Anytime we got a compliment about how well behaved we were, my parents would buy us ice cream. And that was a huge to-do. Back then, like, the cones from McDonald's were like 10 cents, and that was like a huge thing for us. It was a splurge. And so one day, I'm not sure if it was my sister Deanna or Judy, it was you, Deanna, Deanna went to one of the old ladies near the table or something. She went to somebody and asked them to give us a compliment so we could get ice cream. Sure enough, they come and did it, but somehow they found, my parents found out. I don't know how. But you ever seen those parents in the grocery store and you're like, oh my God, my kid would never. Ever, you ever been there? That's how we are with God though. We're trying to guide God around and the parent ends up breaking down and they end up buying that gift for the kid or that, that toy so the kid will finally shut up. You hearing me? I'm just challenging you. Don't doubt God and grow up in your spirit. Grow up in your spirit. Grow up in the way you talk, in the way you interact with people. Grow up. Don't wait to something like me. Don't wait because I had to have a crash course in trying to be mature in front of people who I was just used to being a kid. You hearing me? Don't wait to something drastic happens. Like, just do it now. Trust God. Believe God. He loves you. Isn't that crazy? He loves you. After all you've done, He still cares about you. Come on, stand with me. I want to give a closing prayer. Please don't forget, Erica, we'll be giving a few minutes of her uh, testimonials, and I'm really excited about that. I'm super proud of you guys who went out. If you went out, thank you so much for being faithful to it. I know so many. Thank you so much. God loves people of action, just not people who talk, amen? God says he's satisfied in the doers of the word, all right? Not just the hearers. Come on, grab somebody's hands around you. Today we challenge ourselves to really grow up in God, man. Today we challenge ourselves to get over the whole cycle of doubt in our life. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed. We thank God so ever more in this place today to understand that we can look back and see the grandeur of God in everything we do. And that we can go all across the earth and we can look in the skies and see God in areas we never thought even possible. And that we can know that God can handle our issues, that God can handle our little problems, that God can handle it. 
God, I ask you to take out every seed of doubt in this place right now. God, that you would help us in our unbelief. God, that you would work in our areas, God, where we're not trusting, God, where we're not believing, God, where we're not giving you the true glory, the true honor that you only you deserve. God, that you would begin to really, really, God, help us mature, God. As adults, God, as men, as women, God, that we would mature, God, that we would not always have a joke in our mouth, but yet we would have a prayer in our mouth, God, a word of encouragement, God, that what, that, that what we say edifies those who hear us, God. God, use us, God. God, as lights in this community, God. God, as lights in this state, God. God, that when a word comes forth like maturity, God, that we won't be offended, God, but we'll realize, God, that we've got to change some things, that it's time to change, and maybe the way our lives have been going and all the discomfort we're seeing and all the things that are going wrong and all the hurts and pains are because we're not maturing in our spirit or in the way we treat people or the way we talk. God, help us to take responsibility, God, for what is our own fault and not the devil's fault, God. God, I pray that we would open our eyes, God. That we would see the truth of the situation, God. That we've got some things that we've got to change, God. That doubting God is, the, is, is, is absolutely the foundation of the enemy's way of destroying the church. Of destroying the believer. God, that we can see how great you are even through the skies, Father. God, that we can see your magnificence, God, and your power shown throughout this place, Father. God, that we can see your glory shown through our lives, God. God, that you would guard each and every one of us, God, in our walk this week, Father God, as we go forth, God. I don't know about these folk, God, but I know that I don't want to doubt you no more, God. I know that I don't want to doubt you, God. I know that I don't want to look down upon you, God, but that I want to see you and I want to love you, God, and I want to know you more than ever, God, and that no matter where I've been and what I've done, God, I realize today's the moment right now that I can get things right. Oh, God, that you would guide me, God. You would guide us, Father, and use us in this place. Come on. If you believe it, just shout out amen. Amen.